soon I discovered that this rock thing was true. Jerry Lee Lewis was the devil. Jesus was an architect previous to his career as a prophet. All of a sudden, I found myself in love with the world, so there was only one thing that I could do. It was ding-a-ding-dang, my dangle. Congregation, please be seated and open your prayer guides to the book of Revelations, Psalm 69. live shows in Jorgensen of ministry my brother red hot chili peppers yet to come right now I'm with Al Jorgensen of ministry my old friend Al Jorgensen of ministry Al this is your first live shows in what a couple of years now right years two years so you got some tricks <laughs> two years two years you got some tricks along with you a spectacular light show we hear rumors of well, not spectacular it's just colors and psychedelic type things It'll be good. You'll like it. Come. And you'll be performing songs, presumably, off your new album, which is actually titled Story 69 or Chapter 69? Something. As long as it's 69. 69 will do. Oral sex. Good. It's good for you. What language is it, actually, the, the way it's printed on the album? Arabic. It's ancient Arabic. Happened to stumble upon a book. Who sh you should read it. It's called Book of Lies, Aleister Crowley. You'll love it. And Psalm 69, the album, is this a new musical direction for you? You kind of honed ministry down to you and Paul Barker, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's just a continuation of the old, only um, came out really good. Usually you get done with the record, there's two, three things, four things you're maybe not happy with, but this one's okay. Buy it. <laughs> now. And what's the material you're going to be performing live? It'll be from the new album and then... Well, good evening, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, the music edition. I'll start saying that when we go this route. But when it comes to ministry, it's all about the visuals as well. If you've ever been to a ministry show, and just so happens recently, back in April, I went to my first ministry show. It was not the ministry of the 1980s that so many of you got to experience. It was not the ministry 30 years ago on July 14th when they put out Psalm 69. And those clips that I played, those are the only things that I can play from that album. Because I, I have a feeling that Al Jorgensen is listening, and I don't want to piss him off. So, you know, Al, come on. I wanted him to come on the show. It didn't happen. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I could get people to come on here and talk about ministry and their influence. You know, so many people are influenced by Al Jorgensen. Al Jorgensen... I mean, if you look at that image, okay, Rob Zombie stole that image. Uh, Johnny Depp stole that image as Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning, when 
because remember, Ministry was a synth pop band, a dance band. And then in 1987-88, they changed and added more guitars and became this industrial band that everybody knows. And so that's what I wanted to dive into. And it was 30 years ago tomorrow. Well, let's pre- well, today's the 13th. <coughs> so tomorrow is the 14th. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do a two-parter. Because this is this is a monumental album, okay? It's it's one of those things of people who were fans of ministry before Psalm 69 and then fans of ministry after Psalm 69. And the videos, of course, the visuals. I mean, if you look at who's in the video for Just One Fix, it's none other than William S. Burroughs, who wrote the book Junkie. In fact, when I saw Ministry in concert, there was, you know, they were getting ready to play and they put the fence up to separate the audience from them. And there's that, it's right in there on the image wall, William S. Burroughs, and people didn't know who he was. And I said, that's William S. Burroughs. And they said, why is he on the wall? And I said, because um, Al Jorgensen considers him him a father figure. And they got to know one another. And, and... In fact, Al Jorgensen was influenced by William S. Burroughs' book, Cut Ups. And that's what he tried to do with In the Land of Rape and Honey, the Land of Rape and Honey, is try to cut up, you know, those sounds and paste them together and everything. And many people, you know, have, com- you know, they've said that Psalm 69 is the better album. I've always felt that um, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste is the better album, but that's just me. You know that Filth Pig is the better album. A- everyone has their favorite ministry album, and then and then there's the whole catalog within itself that everyone, you know, um, gravitates towards. But when when they play those songs from Psalm 69, those are some intense. The first time I heard Ministry, and I'll be very honest, they kind of scared the crap out of me because I thought, okay, what is he? Is he barking? And and how how the vocals were, I mean, this was first of all, and I'll be I'll be honest, I didn't know what thrash was, and then you know, you get into Metallica and you get into Slayer. That's thrash. So Ministry was taking, you know, some of their influence also from thrash and metal and throwing it in there and um obviously at the time they were not sober. And Al Jorgensen has talked about that. He's talked about, I read his book, which albums are kind of bad memories for him because he was not, he was, he was, he was doing drugs for a very long time and probably couldn't, couldn't think straight, but obviously put those albums together in such a, it's such a defining kind of time. And so we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to dive into Psalm 69 released July 14th. 1992 30 years ago the fact that he's got albums that are 40 years old and 35 years old and 33 years old that's that's that that's when you call someone an icon and that's when you call someone a legend not when they've only been here about 15 years Beyonce yeah well 25 for her we'll be back Dr. Zeus film podcast coming up music edition we're back Dr. Zeus Film Podcast Music Edition, because I wanted to pull out my copy of Ministry, 
Al Jorgensen's The Lost Gospels, according to Al Jorgensen. This is chapter 9, of course, Psalm 69, appropriate. The downward spiral and the perils of fame. Given my track record, it stands to reason that Ministry's 1992 album, Psalm 69, The Way to Succeed and The Way to Suck Eggs, is widely regarded as Ministry's breakthrough. I hardly recall making it. What I do remember is it opacade through damaged lenses and plays back like slow motion replays of combat footage on scratched film. The whole thing was fucked. Sire wanted this, a big hit. They had tasted success with the miners, a terrible thing to taste, and were ready for Ministry's version of Thriller. There were glutens and syncophets everywhere, as well as a team of publicists and radio promo people waiting to sell whatever we concocted to the masses like sets of jin, jin, ginsu knives. It was a strange time. Alternative was the norm. Shit that 10 years earlier would have been laughed at being triumphant at the next big thing was being triumph trumpeted as the next big thing. And all these bands were all going platinum, Nirvana, Tool, Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins. Everyone thought it was ministry's turn. It was. And everyone was ready for it except us. In the early 90s, money was pouring out of the faucets of every record company's bathroom. It was so obscene, you could practically wipe your ass with $20 bills. Recording budgets were astronomical. So, when Ministry were in Chicago tracks, and we were supposed to be working on the follow-up to The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, the drug money for me and Mikey was coming in in the mail almost weekly, and our dealers were coming around just as often. We were spending 1000 a day to support these three junkies, me, Patty, and Mike. All the money went right into our arms and up our noses. Oh. I was shooting up, smoking crack, drinking bush malls, laced with acid, and this was a cycle I'd repeat 10 times a day at least. We were complete nihilists, and we couldn't care about uh, because we had money. It didn't dawn on us that we had to make a record. Besides, I was a producer, so we didn't have to pay some hack a huge salary. And we were still at the track studio, which was dirt cheap. So the money went a long way, especially since the advance for Psalm 69 was $750,000. Sire gave us three quarters of a million dollars to make this record, this breakthrough record. And we'd get crazy high and record hours of white noise, just walls of static that sounded like a radio stuck between stations, which is kind of what I had become. <sighs> what I was doing wasn't art anymore. It wasn't fun. It was, a pro it was a procedure. And the same with the drugs. It was a maintenance. And like any habit, it turned into a ritual. Shoot, snort, shoot, snort, shoot, snort, shoot, snort. Repeat. I wasn't enjoying what I had used to love, so I decided to re rebel harder than ever and pushed the limits to the utmost extremes. Mike and I were shooting speedballs, blending smack and coke in the same syringe so do, you don't nod off and get wired. No wonder they don't remember it. If you get the mix right, you feel calm and free. But it's a deadly combination, one that killed uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist Hale, hey, Halel Slovak, as well as John Belushi, Chris Farley, and Mitch Hedberg. What can I say? Even when I had given up, I wanted to die, and I, and I was a survivor. Better call Beyonce. No, I'm just kidding. I called the members of ministry who weren't junkies, Barker and Connolly, the book club, because they'd act all intellectual and 
crinkle their noses at me and Mike as if we were pieces of dog shit on the sidewalk. While I was, I was wasting away and creating nothing, they all became nervous. Because if the junkies didn't produce, they didn't eat. One day, we were in the lounge on the bus, and they were acting all pretentious, and I challenged them to the name 100 books they had read in their lives. And between the three of them, they couldn't fucking do it. I was a junkie, a nihilist, and a menace to society, but I never, I was never ignorant or artic- inarticulate. I always loved to read, and I read hundreds of books unlike these asshole pseudo-intellectuals. Because everyone around us was freaking out, Mike and I started plugging in our instruments and programming beats and rolling tape, trying to get something, um, anything down. But everything we did sounded like something else or pet us to put us to sleep, even with the speedballs. We may have been waste, a waste of human flesh, but we still had our fucking integrity. And it wasn't about the slap the name ministry or something that wasn't described deserving of the title. That's why bands do side projects. And the shit we were coming up with wasn't as good as the worst palehead or revolting cock song. But as long as I had the drugs, I kept at it. Oh, my God. Oh, Al, you've got me reading here. One day, Lollapalooza came to town. It was the inaugural year of the festival with Jane's Addiction, Susie and the Banshees, Nine Inch Nails, Living Cholera, Ice Tea and Body Count, Fishbone, Butthole Surfers, Rage Against the Machine, Rollins Band, and a few other groups. When the festival came into Chicago, I wanted to see Trent Reznor, being, because despite the shit I put him through, we were still friends. At the time, he and his band were sharing a tour bus with Henry Rollins and his crew, so I went up in the bus to hang out with Trent, and Rollins looked at me and said, Get out of here, you piece of shit. I hate junkies. Now, I know Henry Rollins is supposed to be this he-man who lifts weights, takes off his shirt, shows his muscles. But I didn't know if the guy could fight or not, and frankly, I didn't care. I didn't even think about what I was doing. I was just a giant swing at him. I just took a giant swing at him. And then a bunch of guys split us up. He didn't even get a shot in. He never came after me or bothered me again. Although, from what I've heard, he spent many a spoken word show totally trashing me. So right back at you, Henry. You are an asshole. Now, the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast does not agree with the views of ministry. And I don't know Henry Rollins, so he's not an asshole. But this is according to Al Jorgensen. While I was backstage, I hung out with Gabby Hayes. And Gabby Hayes, who always cracks me up because he's so out of his mind. Some musicians act like crazy on stage and then get off and might as well be English professors. Some of them actually are. But Gibby... A genuine freak, which is why I love this guy. He's the real deal. So I invited Gibby to come to Chicago Tracks after the show and, may, and maybe work on a song with us. He agreed, so I decided we'd try working with some of this riff I had written. I couldn't figure out any vocals for. I thought maybe it needs a fresh perspective. Gibby came in absolutely shit-faced. He couldn't, have even, he couldn't even walk. I looked at him and laughed and said, hey man, let's see what you've got. We set him up with a stool, gave him a microphone and a fifth of jack, and played the track. But he, but we didn't exactly get lighting and lightning in a bottle. Gibby started babbling some incoherent nonsense, knocked over the whiskey, and fell off the stool. We propped him back up again and heard bang a bang bang a ding a dong wah wah bing a bong crash back on the floor. We went on like 
for that for a take and getting nothing was but gibberish was a few indescribable words like baby gun trailer park around a why 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 finally gabby passed out he was gone and that was it but i knew there was something there if only i'd extract the magic it would be like putting a diamond ring out of the septic tank <coughs> i edited the song in my two track home and i spliced so much tape to make his gibberish sound like words i swear to god even in my fucked up state I had the rock steady hands to conduct delicate brain surgery. Cut tape, cut tape, cut tape. Yes. And so that's where we arrive at. Right after I finished editing, Sire got all up at my ass. They hated me to the point of viciousness, even though they had given me all this money. They'd become hell-bent on my destruction because they didn't have any Mavericks or loose cannons on their label. They wanted controlled pop people. I was a threat to them, so they harassed me a lot. They wanted to know what we had done, uh, what we had for their 750000 And it got to the point I couldn't stall any of them anymore, so I sent them Jesus Built My Hot Rod, because that's all we had. They were pissed. I get this phone call. We gave you 750000 and you send this nonsense back to us? What are we supposed to do with this? They hated it. I was like, well, either double down or not, man. Cut, cut us loose now if you want. I don't care, and I have enough dope. I'm a nihilist, but I don't care if I die tomorrow. So they took the ball and doubled down, which, of course, was cool because we actually got to record the company up to pay us $1.5 to make a record. But it kind of fucked, sucked because it was meant we actually had to get to work. Oh, yeah, and also recoup. Doing that song gave me and Mike a second win, though, which was good. And that's how we came up with all the riffs for the song NWO and Just One Fix while we were working. Sarah pressed Jesus Built My Hot Rod into a maxi single. And the radio department started pimping the song to all the college and commercial radio stations across the country. The thing went supernova. They sold 1.5 million copies of the single alone. To everyone's surprise, they left us alone for a bit so that we would come up with the next. <laughs> oh, and here we arrive at. Psalm 69. Oh my God, this album. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading Alistair Crawling. We had come up with the Satanic Bible. All the tables were, these people were partying. I never read it. I think Anton LaVey, who wrote the thing and started the Church of Satan, was a big poser. He was all about his own celebrity and came up with philosophy based on the basic principles of hedonism. The rest he stole from Ayn Rand and Crawley. Do what thou wilt, shall wilt with the whole of the law. But I feel like we needed right accoutrements, uh, so we had the black and red candles and the stupid book with a goat's head and the pentagram on the cover. Looked pretty cool. Oh my god. We decided to finish Psalm 69 at Shade Tree Studios in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. That was Barker's idea. We booked the place and put me away from all the heroin friends. He was too stupid to find he but he was too stupid to find somewhere that was more than 90 miles away from Chicago. So Mike and I just wound up driving the 90 miles twice a week to hook up with the, our dealers. Jones and all the way there and risking getting arrested on the way back. We had a couple close lay, uh, shaves with the law where we were pulled over and we hit our stash behind. Oh, God. Why did you do that, Jorgensen? The ashtray. Popped the vents out and put our stuff in there and clicked back just as the cops came up with all the flashlights. Is there a problem, officer? Eventually, he said, fuck this, and started having people drive the dope up to Wisconsin for us. 
There were these skanky dealers hanging out in the shade. Okay, let's get to Psalm 69. Oh, my God. Revolting cocks. Mike's thrash bass uh, riff saved uh, most of Psalm 69. I just added my production and gave some movie samples to make it cool. And then on the song, Just One Fix, I got all these cool spoken word parts from William S. Burroughs from the readings and speeches he had done. We were all set to release the album, but got delayed two months because Warner Brothers told me Burroughs wouldn't give me permission to use his stuff. This is where they went to go see Burroughs and they approached him. Um, Where is it? We finally got there at about two in the afternoon, knocked at the door. Bill answers, and the first thing he says is, are you holding? Where is it? I can smell a junkie a mile away. My friend and I only had enough dope to keep away, keep from getting sick. So I said no. And before I had the chance to say anything, Bill slammed the door in our faces. So we drove 25 miles back. Oh, God. To Kansas City and cruise around looking for dope. <laughs> See, that's how Burroughs was, though. That's how Burroughs was. Mm. Oh, the video. I love the video for um, Just One Fix. The shoot for the video of Just One Fix went really well, but the next day, Bill laid into me pretty heavy. I was just sitting there with my shotgun and kept me waiting for three days, asshole. I figured, okay, I owe him. You don't keep a legend waiting three days. I saw in the local paper that Jim Rose was coming through town. I knew Jim, though, some mutual friends, and he did a freak show that was pretty impressive. He'd swallow swords and eat glass and razor blades. Oh, God, Bill. <laughs> oh, Psalm 69. Psalm 69! Yeah. Oh, my God, this album. He talks about being such a mess by the time Psalm 69 came out. Lollapalooza, the tour, the tour, the tour. Yeah. So, because you don't need to hear me reading all night, because I, I couldn't see with the lighting, but that's me. Fuck it. Um, these are the wonderful titles on Psalm 69. The way to succeed and the way to suck eggs, motherfuckers. NWO, New World Order, Just One Fix, TV2, Hero, Jesus Built My Hot Rod, Scarecrow, Psalm 69, Corrosion, and Grace. This album is fucking crazy. And I remember one time it was, what was it? I think one in the morning and I was home alone and I'm, and I'm watching MTV. I think it was MTV Classics. And... <laughs> They were playing Just One Fix. And um, it scared me because I thought, who? The? But then it intrigued me, too. You know the things that scare you, but then they intrigue you? Because he's barking and you hear, you know, Just One Fix and you hear the guitars. And I'm like, okay. You know, I remember I played it for a friend and my friend didn't like it. My friend usually liked hard rock and he looked at me and said, this shit is too demonic. I said, there's nothing demonic about it. Yeah. But yeah, the title Psalm 69 and the goat and all that other shit. I mean, come on, come on. 
some of that stuff I don't understand, and here's why. When it, when the first time I saw The Exorcist, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought it was funny. A little of it I thought, okay, because I wasn't raised religious, so a lot of that shit I didn't know. And then I remember one time we watched it with my cousin, and my cousin was very Jesus-y. And he started freaking out, and I'm kind of laughing, and I'm like, okay, all right. So, yeah. I think I think they were, the scary part for them was the possession. It's like, oh, okay, you know, being possessed and all the other shit. So, um, but when you listen to ministry, they sound possessed. So I don't know, maybe my friend had a point. But in a good way, in a good heavy metal, they did a lot of drugs kind of way. <clears throat> oh, my God. Psalm 69, 30 years. 30 years. And so, because um, my voice is not in the best shape and I don't have the effects that Mr. Al Jorgensen has, we're just going to examine these wonderful lyrics of Psalm 69. Now, granted, ministry has been around since the 80s. Okay. Oh, NWL. Let's see. Oh, all the locals hide their tears of regret. Open fire because I loved you to death. Sky high with a headache of stone. You'll never leave me because I'm always alone. Yeah. And then, and then you hear, like, the sample New World Order. Ah, Just One Fix, Grammy nominated. Uh, blood keeps drinking away certain, uh, certain of its destination. Driving through New Orleans at night, gotta find a destination. Just One Fix. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, I love, I, I'm not gonna sing it. Come on. With this voice right now, no. It's good to just recite. Oh, song, the title song. Oh, my God. I love how it goes. Congregation, please be seated and open your prayer guides to the book of Revelations, Psalm 69. Yeah. And then he like barks, you know, now it's time to, uh, for us to give us a little love back to God. Drinking the blood. Oh, God. <laughs> I played this one time for someone I know and they got freaked out. Because he's like, drinking the blood of Jesus, drinking the right from his veins, learning to swim in the ocean, living to prowl in his name. The body of Christ looked on to me, a preacher with his cock in his hand. He put, he wants you to suck it on the Holy Ghost and swallow the sins of man. Psalm 69. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, if, if Mr. Jorgensen contacts me and says, I want to be on the show, take that shit off. I would do whatever he says, okay? Um, when I told people... <laughs> you know how people say, well, I tell people all the time. Who are these people? Are they imaginary? But I actually do talk to actual people. And people that I work with and people that I know and love. And when I told them I was going to go see ministry, they were like, what? They're still touring? Oh, yeah. Now, this... I'm not married. I don't have any kids. That I think I planned that when I was 19. It was just, I knew. I knew. And I would go on these little adventures, you know. 
And here I am. Ministry is coming to town. I thought about driving to Los Angeles just to go see them. You know, I used to drive to Los Angeles all the time. That that drive actually doesn't bother me because it, especially if you're going to take the 5, you can go 70 the entire way. Some people go a little faster, not me. Um and I like to travel alone because when I'm alone with my thoughts on that drive and I'm listening to music and all that and I'm and I'm one, you know what I mean? Um of course a lot of us, you know, you get that mirage feeling because you've got 200 more miles to go and you're screwed. Um, and that was a long time ago. So then I thought, okay, ministry's coming to San Francisco. That's okay. That's 90 miles away. So this was, this was a last minute purchase. Originally, I thought it was $180. It was 130 because I met this couple there and they were like, uh, how much did you pay for your ticket? Because it was a floor, it was a floor ticket. I was right there looking at ministry. And I said, I think 180. And she went, What? And then I later thought, no. And I said, No, I think 130. Yeah, 130. That was a last minute purchase. I was like, okay, if I'm if I'm never gonna see ministry again, this is my chance. So I went and I saw them and a bunch of bands opened for them, including the the Melvins. I love the Melvins. Um, the ministry came on there. And so I've talked about this on the show. They did a lot of songs from Psalm 69 or the way to succeed and be successful is to suck eggs. Um, I hadn't been that close to a, a subwoofer before in a long time. And so I lost hearing in my, my left ear. So you know it's not only punk rock, but you're in fucking trouble. When I couldn't even hear myself scream over the band, I went, oh, shit. And then you have this ringing in your ears, and I'm like, oh, no, why? And 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 I wasn't trying to get into the mosh pit, but you know the moshers had the right idea. They all had earplugs on. You can still hear the music. And I thought, damn, that's the one thing I forgot to buy. You know, when you leave the house and you think, did I forget anything? Did I leave the oven on? I've got I've got the uproad pass. I've got my toll for the Bay Bridge paid for. I'm good to go. I've got gas in the car. I've got money to buy merchandise and all that other crap. I've got liquid death in the car to drink after the show. But I didn't have any fucking earplugs. So for a day and a half, I could not hear. And then when people would talk to me or they'd yell at me, that, oh, God, that ear. I mean, it was it was horrible. It was horrible. But at the same time, it only lasted a little while. And I was so thankful to have seen ministry, to be able, I mean, when you're holding your phone up and Al Jorgensen gets a glimpse of you and all the while you're thinking, damn. It's finally here. And I want to give a shout out to George Trombolopoulos because he was going to go to that show. So I kept hoping to see him like, George, did you go? And I'm in line um, at the Warfield and I message him. I say, hey, are you are you going to the ministry show? And he's like, no, nah, I didn't make it up there. Have fun. I was like, OK, all right. 
Because he interviewed Al Jorgensen, and that's probably one of Al Jorgensen's great interviews. Al Jorgensen does not do a lot of interviews. There's the interview that I played at the beginning of this podcast with him and MTV's Dave Kendall during Lollapalooza 92. Um, But, yeah. You know, at that show, they they did Just One Fix. I think they did Jesus Built My Hot Rod. They did NWO. I don't think they did Psalm 69. I love Psalm 69. I love it because it pisses people off. That's why. You know, and Al Jorgensen has talked about, you know, when people come at you spitting Bible verses, and I know a lot of you who are listening, you read the Bible, you love God, you love Jesus. I've never read the Bible. And people thought I was kidding when I said, well, what's at the back of the book? Is it the index? And they're like, no, that's the book of Rebel. That's the end of the world. And I started laughing. I thought, what? Damn. Damn. But anyway, yeah. Um, so that's my Psalm 69 story. Story 69. Of seeing ministry. Uh, the, you know, my hearing did return. And Monday, okay, I saw ministry on April 16th, 2022. And I saw the Deftones Gojira on April 18th, 2022. And I went to the doctor the day after, I think. And I told him, (coughs) and he said, what you had was toxic noise. Your hearing's back because he checked my ears. He's like, "Your, your hearing's good. And I had earplugs that I wore at the Deftones Gojira show where you can hear the music, but all the like, because I'm going to tell you about ministry. If you've never seen ministry live, all of those sounds and samples are loud. They are loud. Ministry is not grandpa's um, polka band. Okay. This shit is metal thrash motherfucking you are you're for your slam dancing you are and you are rag doll okay and psalm 69 really sums that up ministry sound ministry sound always evolves and if al jorgensen is listening and the other members of ministry i would i would thank you for giving us psalm 69 but also all of the albums that have come after and before because ministry isn't just one album, one great album. Ministry is a continuum. And their sound is so, it's so present. I was, you know, even during the pandemic, I was listening to a lot of ministry. Even when I was a teacher, a disgruntled one, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of ministry. When we'd have a meeting and it was so passive aggressive and they would nitpick at everything that I do, never constructive. Okay, so I wasn't so much disgruntled. It was like they just weren't happy with me because I was a man. And what would I do for solace? I would turn to um, the mind is a terrible thing to taste and burning inside because I felt like I was burning inside. And then I would listen to just one fix and NWO. And now that abortion has been overturned and the Supreme Court has turned, they've turned into these fascist zombies I feel that NWO, New World Order, is very appropriate. And so I've been listening to a lot of ministry continuously. 
So to Al Jorgensen and the members of ministry, I would love to thank you for 30 years ago giving us this fucking crazy thrash metal sample base, everything that you could want with William S. Burroughs. May he rest in peace. Um, Probably smoking a joint somewhere. Um, Just giving us this crazy music. People always talk about that System of a Down is crazy, and they are. But if you really want crazy with a side order of drugs, it's ministry. Ministry is in your face. It's a car crash. It is getting chained. It's zombies eating you. It's it's all kinds of different imagery. It's Stephen King times 10. Uh, how else could I def- describe and define this band? And Al Jorgensen, I, he did a really great quote. I'm a big Tool fan. And Tool, they love ministry and they love Al Jorgensen. And, and Al Jorgensen has said that he is responsible for turning Tool into a, you know, a psychedelic band. Because I think Maynard and Danny, I think he gave them shrooms or acid. I think it was acid. And they tripped out balls on it. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And, and um, I, Al, Al and Alan Maynard are like two Two uh, two peas from a pod, you know. They're just amazing performers, and I love them both. And they've given us such great music. Wouldn't wouldn't that be a great tour? Tool and ministry. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, Al is sober now, and he doesn't. Well, he, I think he still smokes weed. Um, he doesn't do the the hard drugs anymore, and so. But ministry, that experience is fucking wild. So released on July 14th, 1992, 30 years ago. What was I doing 30 years ago? I was 11, going on 12 in December. So what was I doing 30 years ago? Well, that's probably when puberty hit. And so I'll leave it to your imagination. (laughs) It was a fun, fun ride. Um, And so that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Just... The music edition. I hate saying that, but I'm sure somewhere Adam Simmons, I'm thinking of you, is grinning like, finally, you fucking differentiated film podcast and music podcast. Well, I'm not changing the show because it's my show. (sighs) To live at the same time as Al Jorgensen in ministry is just wild. And I'm going to try to finish the book. Al Jorgensen's The Lost Gospels, according to, with John Wiederhorn. I love the title. It says, like uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas, crossed with the dirt. It's both insanely compelling and compellingly insane. Well, here's what I'll say. Ministry makes Motley Crue look like an after-school special, all right? They look like the Backstreet Boys. Compared to ministry. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure Vince Neal is crying over that, but you know, whatever. You know, um, yeah. So that's the Dr. Zeus film podcast, music edition, celebrating 30 years of Psalm 69, Story 69, 
by the amazing, they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I hope they're listening. They really do. Uh, Psalm 69, the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs. Well, really, he probably meant to suck cock, but you can't put that on a record, unfortunately. My, my thing with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is this, and I love Nine Inch Nails. Why would you induct Nine Inch Nails before Ministry and Skinny Puppy? Because you don't have Nine Inch Nails without Ministry and Skinny Puppy. All right? Unpleasant dreams.